You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast with Brian Weber. It's a talk show. We talk. And former Pro Bowl Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart. Hey, get your popcorn ready. NFL No Huddle airs live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern on the NFL on TuneIn, your everything audio app. Hello and welcome to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. I'm Brian Weber alongside Cordell Stewart. On today's podcast, we're going to focus on injuries with Will Carroll and provide your fantasy fix with Holden Kushner. And Brian, let's kick off the podcast today with former NFL cornerback J.B. Brown, now representing the NFL Legends community. J.B., thanks for taking the time. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. J.B., how you been, man? Long time no see. What's good? Talk to us. Talk to us. What's going on with the Legends community? How you doing with that? Uh, doing great, Cordell. Um, I guess we saw each other last at the uh, Steelers alumni event. That's exactly what it Yep. But uh, we were we we were uh, we were not only teammates. We were we were uh, um, locker locker room mates. We were right yeah, we were. each other. So we had a lot of conversations way back when. Yep. <laughs> well, JB, yes, we you've just opened the door because every former Steeler that I have on the program, I say, please, I know Cordell is man of the year on and off the field, a stellar individual, but you were right next to him in the locker room. I need a good Cordell Stewart story. Oh, man. You know what? Uh, I got to charge it to memory, and that was so long ago. That was back in Oh, come on, JB. I'm not buying that. I'm not buying that. Just between me and you. Tell him CTE. Tell him CTE. Go ahead. We could have passed on this one. Go ahead. Well, I don't don't want to claim that, but uh, all I can say is Cordell always had him and – him and um, Jerome Bettis always had a bunch of jokes, so they was always clowning somebody. That's about all I could say. But that was a great guy, fun-loving guy. Uh, we had fun in the locker room, in the game, as well as on the bus. I mean, we just, it was just a great time. So, great teammate. Sorry, bro. Sorry, Brian. Yeah. He's tried. He's tried so hard <laughs> with everybody. JB, he's tried so hard. It just, it just can't work. I, I'm just a good guy. I'm sorry. He just don't want to believe that. Go ahead, yeah. Brian. Yeah. All right. I keep trying. <laughs> JB, let's talk about what's currently going on in Pittsburgh. Team playing at a high level, but it feels like every week we're talking about drama. What do you make of the Martavis Bryant situation? Uh, I will say this. I will say that um, it's it's his job, um, and to be professional means that um, you don't try, you don't disrupt the team with your personal vendettas, and you allow yourself to be professional. Play as hard as you can, and I think this is my personal opinion. You just address that after the season. You support Antonio Brown and the rest of your teammates as best you can. Play as hard as you can, and you know maybe you talk to your agent. You have your agent talk to the team if you're not happy, and you want to go elsewhere. You do that after, but not now in the midst of trying to uh, win a division and make the playoffs. So that's my spin on it. JB, when you look at the the landscape of the National Football League now and how the players. Uh, react to certain adverse moments. Uh, you look at Cam Newton and his response to the podium. Um, you just talked about Martavis Bryant and his approach. You even saw uh, a couple weeks ago Antonio Brown throwing the, the Gatorade jug or what have you and then Ben Roethlisberger's response. How much has the game changed since we were in the game way back when to where it was like when it came down to having someone basically delegating how the message should run these guys are totally opposite of, of what it was we were taught growing up. How did the game looks to you from afar? Uh, well, there's a lot of players who uh, I keep hearing this word branding, and sometimes that spins off into tantrums and other things going. But you just have uh, a lot of players who 
didn't grow up in the era we grew up in where our parents and our coaches demanded a certain uh, type of behavior um, while on the field um, that also meant you were, you know, good, you know, sportsmanlike. And some of these players uh, with their interviews and their actions on the field, you know, they don't seem like they have the sportsmanship that's taught to us at a very young age when we're coming up playing uh, TV league football. He's Cordell Stewart. I'm Brian Weber visiting with J.B. Brown, former NFL quarterback, par mem- par- a proud member of the NFL Legends community. J.B., let me take you back to Sunday. The defenses were so dominant. We had three shutouts, seven teams held under 10 points. I know things run in cycles, but in general, do you think the defenses may have moved ahead of offenses this year? It's like you said, it's cyclical. That's, that's just this year. Um, you know, maybe next year or down the road, offenses could be totally dominating defenses and scoring all kinds of points. I will say with, uh, with the latest the rules the last maybe five years, they're trying to make it so that teams can score more points. But for whatever reason, defenses are dominant right now. JB, when you look at the Miami Dolphins and them bringing in Jay Cutler, giving them a one-year, $10 million deal, and you had Matt Moore who filled in last year for Ryan Tannehill, um, do you think the team is is struggling under a Jay Cutler more because they don't really know his personality, but Matt Moore seemed like he should be the most experienced and ready because of the familiarity that the players on this football team have with him? I thought that uh, Jay Cutler probably should have stayed in the uh, in the booth. <laughs> um, <laughs> he can still throw the ball, but like you said, they're more familiar with Matt Moore. They trust him more, and uh, Jay Cutler frankly, at times, it just seems like he's aloof and he doesn't care as much. That's me, my personal opinion. doesn't really care that much about the game. To me, it seemed like he was doing a favor for Adam, the coach Adam Gase, I believe his name is, because they know each other so well. He convinced him to come back and convinced him to take $10 million. I wish I, I, wish I could get convinced. <laughs> Got that right. <laughs> nice work if you can get it. Well, you ended yeah. your career in Detroit. We talked about your time in Pittsburgh. They're getting together on Sunday Night Football. We know the Lions have not won a playoff game since 1991, but since you're still tracking what's going on around the league, do you think they have a legitimate franchise quarterback in Matthew Stafford? I do. I like Matthew Stafford. I mean, he's he's tough. He's definitely got the arm. And, you know, if they can get the right uh, supporting cast around him, I think he can uh, he can be that guy. You know, Mike Malarkey is down in Nashville. Uh, you know, um, Deshae Townsend is there. Dick LeBeau is there. Russ Grimm is there. When you watch that style of football within that division, which it seemed like it could be up for grabs, you know, Jacksonville is playing really good. You know, Houston is coming on with Deshaun Watson. Indy is trying to find their way. They're not too far away because it's just a matter of having a few losses with the other teams. Uh, are you buying that that style of football still exists and still can be strong throughout the National Football League when it comes to solid defense, but most importantly, running the football very well? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think in any era, if you can run the football and you have solid defense, bend, don't break, hard hitting, running to the ball, I mean, I think that that recipe works in any era, my personal opinion. JB, final thought going back to how we opened the conversation. Cordell asked you about your interaction with the NFL Legends community. We have a special relationship with your group. Look forward to chatting with a legend like yourself every Thursday. What does being a part of the NFL Legends community mean to you? What have you taken away from the experience? It's a chance to uh, to give back, to reach back, to be around your peers. Um, 
you know, we we aim to streamline communication, um, serve as a resource for guys, and we assist with all the other affinity groups out there, like the Hall of Fame, the NFL alumni, the NFLPA, the Trust, the Gridiron Greats, the Player Care Foundation, and on and on. So we, I really enjoy it because you get to give back, you get to meet the new guys, you get to get with the old guys, and we just try to connect guys back to their teams, back to opportunities, back to uh, whatever can help them and whatever their walk of life is. And we just feel, I feel blessed to be able to do it. I do. Um, I mean, I just, I love it because I always tell people, um, they ask me what I miss the most. And other than the, the obvious, the money, what I miss most is, you know, those those locker room chats. Uh, Cordell can tell you on the bus, in practice. Uh, just we spend so much time together and we got guys from all walks of life. It's just great to get to know guys. And then um, when you see them, you haven't seen them for a while, you get to reminisce. And the alumni events, I love them. So, JB, we enjoyed the conversation. Thanks so much for giving us a few minutes today here on the NFL on TuneIn. Thank you so much. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. When it comes to a beer brewed to handle, a Sunday full of touchdowns and St. Pump returns, and I can't believe he caught that. Look for the light beer that's always brewed for more taste with only 96 calories. Miller Lite, the original light beer to be enjoyed from pre-game to post-game. It's been a part of the game since it first showed up on the sidelines back in 1975. So when you reach for a light beer this game day, grab the one that won't fill you up and never compromises on taste, Miller Lite. Welcome back to NFL no huddle the podcast here are your hosts brian weber and cordell stewart next up on nfl no huddle the podcast we're joined by will carroll the injury analyst well thanks for taking the time and let's start with cutler beyond the semantics what's the difference between cutler dealing with cracked ribs quote-unquote and broken ribs Nothing. It's just terminology. And first, uh, I'm getting over a cold, so I apologize that I sound uh, a little rough today. Um, Yeah, this is just terminology. Fractured, broken, cracked. It's all the same thing. He's got a problem with his ribs, makes it difficult to breathe. Uh, Certainly is going to be problematic if he took contact. So he's going to be out a couple weeks, which I think gives Matt Moore another chance to show that he's always been the best quarterback on this team. Give me a take on Joe Thomas and his situation. When would he be able to come back? Uh, this one's a tough one because, you know, to go that long, to play that many plays in a row, it's, it's Garrick, it's, it's Ripken, all wrapped up in one. And it's such a violent game where we see, you know, Jay Cutler can't even go a couple weeks uh, without breaking something. Joe Thomas tearing the triceps. Uh, that's a difficult injury. What they're going to have to do is go in, sew the muscle back together, and this is tough. This is like you know cutting your steak and then trying to sew it back together. But they usually have very good results. Um, you don't know exactly where the tear is. The closer it is to the shoulder, the better it's going to be. So he'll have every chance to come back, likely by training camp next year. We'll have a very good idea of this by the, the time they get to mini camp uh, to see exactly where they're headed with this. Well, trying to keep you off the injury reserve, so we'll make this a little bit more concise in other weeks. Hopefully you're doing better than Carson Palmer. Tough to see him go down with a broken left arm in the U.K. on Sunday. I've heard, and this, of course, comes down to best-case scenarios, a possibility he could be medically cleared week 16, week 17. At the same time, is there a good likelihood his career might have ended on Sunday in London? It's 
certainly possible because you're 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 watching a team that all seems to be built around winning this year. Um, you know, Bruce Arians was getting the gang back together, him and Larry Fitzgerald, and neither of them had a good year. So yes, there's a chance he could be cleared. He could certainly go out there uh, with a cast. Uh, if he's got full uh, motion in his left hand, uh, wouldn't be in that much danger. Uh, defensive players do it all the time, but obviously he's going to take a lot of contact, so they've got to make sure that's the, the thing. Question is, is this the end? Um, you know, not many players like to go out on an injury, especially kind of a freakish one like this. So I think Carson's going to have to sit down and say, what does this team have for me next year? If Bruce Arians is coming back, as he says he is, uh, does Fitzgerald come back? Does having a healthy David Johnson help him? So I'm not sure he's done yet, though it's certainly a possibility. You look at the Denver Broncos, you talk about Paxton Lynch. I mean, if something happens to Trevor Simeon, they have to go to Brock Osweiler. Don't you think they want to get Paxton Lynch back as quick as they can with his right shoulder injury? Yeah, yeah absolutely. They, they, they always want to make sure you have you, all your guys ready. Uh, you know, they're concerned about Emmanuel Sanders and that ankle. He's the, the quick little receiver that they need uh, to match up with Demarius Thomas. But, yeah, absolutely. We, we've seen more and more of these AC sprains with, with quarterbacks all along the way, uh, and there's just no way to, uh, to protect them, you know, short of not letting guys get hit. Uh, so either we're going to have to really change how we block for these guys um, I, I've talked to some safety companies, shoulder pad companies this week, looking for possible solutions, and they all just kind of unfortunately shrug their shoulders, which is the wrong motion for something like this. Well played there. Our injury analyst, Will Carroll, less than 100%, in fact, taking me back to listening to the legendary Johnny Most on the Celtics <laughs> radio network in the late 1980s. Well, last one for me, Leonard Fournette, unable to play on Sunday on the road in Indy due to the ankle injury. He's going to benefit from having a bye week, but how troublesome could this be moving forward considering all the injuries he dealt with at LSU? Uh, that's the thing. You know, it actually saved him. We talked about that last week. Um, so, you know, the ankle is very loose. They're going to have to fix it at some point. The question is, can they maintain him through the season, have it after the season? Um, you know, by week, they were just trying to tack together two weeks off to see what they could do, work on the treatment. But this is going to be a problem until they go in there and fix it. How about Devontae Parker? He hasn't been on the field since week five because of the ankle injury. When will we expect to see him back? Uh, he's going to be a game time decision this week, Cordell. <clears throat> There's just not a lot of uh, notice on what he's going to be able to do when he's out there. He's a guy that has to be able to, to run routes uh, to get guys off him. He's not a pure physical receiver, so we'll, we'll have to see how that one plays out. I would stay away from him this week, but I don't think Matt Moore is going to have that opportunity. Well, if you're up for it, can you give me Havlicek <clears throat> stole the ball? Havlicek stole the ball? Havlicek stole the Very ball. Nice. Lovely. Underneath the DJ. <laughs> Will, as somebody who battles sinus-related issues every day of my life, hot tea and hit the secrets, and we'll chat with you next Thursday. I've got a cup of mint tea right here, so I'm ahead of you. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. Experience the excitement of the NFL as it happens with NFL First and Goal, exclusively on TuneIn Premium. From week one to week 17, jump in and out of the action every Sunday with Nick Ferguson and me taking you from game to game. We'll have home calls as teams are threatening to score. Fake it to block. Brady tosses. Touchdown! Hear every big play. Hear every game-winning drop. Here's a touchdown. Catch NFL first and goal every Sunday starting at 1 Eastern, only on TuneIn Premium. Upgrade today. 
This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Now let's provide your fantasy fix with Holden Kushner of TuneIn Sports. Fantasy football has become a major reality for millions of fans. Makes him off to the 30. He's gone. He's gone. What a move. It takes skill to win your fantasy championship, separating the zeros. He goes to the near side, and it's picked up. From the fantasy heroes. Down the middle, it's caught over the shoulder in the end zone. Buckle up your chin strap for the Fantasy Fix. Always a pleasure to talk fantasy football with our pal Holden Kushner, host of MLB on TuneIn. Check him out tomorrow for comprehensive pre- and post-game coverage of Game 3 of the World Series between the Dodgers and the Astros. Holden, let's jump right in. Spotlighting tight ends, often underappreciated. Who are your top tight ends this week? Oh, Zach Ertz has been on fire lately, boys. You know that. And he has some type of rapport with Carson Wentz right now. I think Zach Ertz, despite the tough matchup um, with the San Francisco linebackers, that's probably the only tough matchup there is for the Philadelphia offense. I think Ertz is right there with Gronkowski, who's always right there. Uh, Kelsey on Monday night against Denver. Denver has not been good against tight ends. Hunter Henry against New England. Absolutely love Hunter Henry because the first couple games of the year was still Antonio Gates, and I guess finally the coaching staff figured out that Henry's got the fresher legs, and he's got nine catches for 163 yards the last couple weeks. Has not found the end zone in two weeks, but has scored uh, two touchdowns this year. And last but not least, loving Kyle Rudolph against Cleveland. Basically, anybody against Cleveland, start him. He went with the tight ends. Hold I'll go with the, with the receivers. Give me your top five receivers for week eight. Oh, this is a good one here. Antonio Brown every week is going to be your number one, but A.J. Green has the matchup du jour, and he should go absolutely ballistic uh, this week. I'm looking for A.J. Green to have a monster game against the Indianapolis Colts, who have been a disaster uh, to this point on every single level, including letting us know how their quarterback is doing. But um, that he might be number one if it's not Antonio Brown. I'll still go Mike Evans. He's got about a four-inch height advantage over uh, the guy that's covering him this week. And I think the interesting part about that, if you really dig into the numbers, that um, when you have significant height advantages like that, at least in fantasy football, you're going to see uh, points per game really spike. And he's got Daryl Worley this week. So I I expect him to completely crush it. Uh, Also, Michael Crabtree, who has... Uh, really had a nice silent season because uh, Amari Cooper's the guy that got all the publicity last week. Uh, Crabtree's scored in three straight weeks, and he's had at least six catches and 80 yards or a touchdown in five of his six games. So that's my guys this week. Holden, as you know, the Saints this season posting their first shutout dating back to 2012. Yes, it was against Jay Cutler and the Dolphins in London, but it still counts. Factor in what they do on special teams. Are you riding with this unit? How do you see their matchup at home against Chicago? What Trubisky throw? Seven passes last week? Yeah, four um, completions. M- yeah, my sense is that he's going to have to throw a little bit more in the Coors field of of uh, football here because you go, in, you, you go into New Orleans, you're going to be in the track meet. Drew Brees absolutely crushes at home, so Trubisky's going to have to throw. I don't trust that he's going to be able to do it well, and I look for the Saints to be a top-five defense this week, yes. What sleepers are you thinking about this week at the offensive positions? Sleepers. All right, let's let, let's look at some names here. I think Christian McCaffrey is a guy that could have a decent week against Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay um, just about neutral against run defenses, and right now uh, there's there's a couple of mismatches: Kelvin Benjamin, Devin Funchess at the 
cornerback positions against the cornerback position. I think Christian McCaffrey could catch a few balls at a backfield. I think that's a nice play. I think James White against the Chargers this week. I look for the uh, that to be a higher scoring game on both sides of the ball. And Nelson Aguilar, who quietly has just dominated out of the slot for Carson Wentz. The Giants get roasted out of the slot, and I think we'll see Nelson Aguilar score yet another touchdown. He has been uh, he, he's been on fire. It seems like every week he's getting to the end zone, and the reason why is because he has been getting there on a weekly basis for three straight weeks, three straight weeks with a touchdown and five of six. Fantasy analysis provided by one of the best in the business, Holden Kushner. Holden, go back to Sunday, three-team shutout, seven teams held on their 10 points. So we're talking a lot of defense, and even though Jacksonville's on the bye looking forward, is that D that good? you got to play them irrespective of the matchups. Well, I think you're always going to look at a matchup no matter what. But I will say in my season-long leagues that this week has been an anomaly. Usually I'll just dump my my team defense, go pick somebody else up. I'm carrying two defenses this week because I have Jacksonville on a bye. That team is just too good right now, especially uh, at corner. And uh, I love the pass rush. Every, everything about the Jacksonville defense right now is solid. They don't play a great division schedule. I mean, there is Deshaun Watson there. But, yeah, I, I love Jacksonville. Jacksonville, and I would not give them up whatsoever. Who's in your top five running backs this week? Ah, top five running backs this week. Well, I think you got to start with Le'Veon Bell, and it almost always ends with Le'Veon Bell at number one against Detroit. They give up some yards in the passing game to running backs, and there's a significant spike in numbers when Martavius Bryant is out of the lineup and Le'Veon Bell is in. So I look for Le'Veon Bell to be the number one play this week. I think LaShawn McCoy, who finally broke through last week, is going to have a nice week against the Oakland defense that gives up quite a few yards. I think he's my number two. Zeke Elliott, Kareem Hunt, and the the last spot, I'm, I, I want to say Melvin Gordon over Devontae Freeman just because of the workload and the New England defense being as porous as it is. I'm a little concerned about the Melvin Gordon foot issue, so I'll, I'll put Devontae Freeman up there. He's had a couple of quiet weeks, but I think he busts loose against the Jets. Holden, as a veteran talk show host, I want your opinion on Denver's quarterback situation. Cordell and I have a divergence of opinion, so we know it's going to be Trevor Simeon. Coming up Monday Night Football, I think he should have been benched after that debacle of a game on the road against the L.A. Chargers. But moving forward, who do you think the quarterback should be in Denver? And what about C.J. Anderson's pending fantasy value? Well, whoever is the quarterback should not be on your team. I mean, what are you guys arguing about? Who's worse? Yes. Well, it's we're a horrible situation. Actual it's football. Is it time for a quarterback change now? No, I think it's the worst quarterback situation outside of what? Maybe Indianapolis? How, how many worse quarterback situations in the NFL are there than Denver right now? You Cleveland. Tell me, clearly Joe Cleveland. Flacco? All right, Joe Flacco yeah. <laughs> with, with them. Cleveland yeah. is another one, yes. I, I actually think Matt Moore has been decent as a, as, as a quarterback of the Dolphins. I thought they could have gone into the season with him and still been a 500 club. At least in San Francisco, they're going with a young guy. I think Case Keenum has, has uh, blown away expectations. So it's one of the three worst jobs or three worst situations in the NFL. What, are, are you really going to upgrade with a quarterback change? You tell me. Because I think the guy that's behind the guy is one of the worst quarterbacks in the league that there is right now. So Ooh, yeah. th- they're in a bad they're in a bad spot. And as far as uh, C.J. Anderson goes, just been really disappointed that um, w- what we saw to him two years ago, we're just not seeing that anymore. The burst isn't there, and I do wonder 
Um, I, I, it's Kansas City, too. It's a bad matchup this week. The Kansas City run defense, not bad at all, at least from a fantasy perspective. I do wonder when we start seeing a little bit more Jamal Charles. I, I wonder what he's got left in the tank, and I'd like to find out. After Monday night football, do you still trust or do you trust Jordan Reed? Do I trust Jordan Reed? I trust yes. Jordan Reed to get hurt. Um, again, just about every week he's going to leave. He's going to be killed over in pain. That being said, he's practicing, and that's big. So I think this week against Dallas, Jordan Reed is a guy that I trust right now. Uh, he's going to miss time. It's going to happen. It's inevitable. He scored his two touchdowns last week. His last game against Denver at, or at against Dallas at Dallas last year in Week 12, he scored a couple of touchdowns, catching 10 balls with 95 yards receiving. So I think he's a nice play this week. But long term, and, and and let's also not forget if you're talking about the Redskins, all five of their offensive linemen did not practice today. Think about that. For how how much trouble is that going into this game against Dallas? So I still like Jordan Reed, but there's a lot of issues up front in that uh, offensive line with the Redskins. Just run the Wildcat. They'll be fine. As we say goodbye, Cordell loves when I talk baseball because we call Cordell Mr. October here on the NFL on TuneIn. Do you really? No, I don't. I had to go to bed early because I go to bed about 9 o'clock. And call me when you're in your mid-40s. You'll do the same thing. I, I am. Not I'm, 30, catch... I'm 43. Well, you look good. I did not catch your post-game show. Did you crush Dave Roberts for his bullpen moves yesterday at Chavez Ravine? No, he did everything. He did everything right. And everything right. He's not the guy. He's not the guy that put Josh Fields and Brandon McCarthy on the playoff roster. I'm starting with, I'm starting with the Rich Hill decision. That's that is from up front. That is not no, I Dave Roberts. I I, so, I, I listen, don't believe in yeah. analytics. I let managers manage. Well, I believe in analytics, but what I what I do think is that they have a system there, and it's gotten them into the World Series. Friedman and Farhan Zaidi, uh, their front office there, and they're saying, "Hey, you go through the order a couple of times, and then you're done." Now, would I have done that? No, but that's not Dave Roberts' fault. That's an organizational philosophy that Rich Hill is not going deeper in the game. He had used Kenley Jansen for six outs multiple times. I had last no problem with that. I was talking about out. Rich Hill after the fourth inning. Yeah, I yeah. It was listen, premature. listen. I, I, I think with all things being being equal, that he could have left him in. But then Kent Maeda came in and he looked great. So, no, I, I got no problem with what Dave Roberts did. I have a problem with the roster construction. Cordell, why isn't thoughts? Tim Tebow on that roster? <laughs> it's a why good isn't question. Tim Tebow on that roster? No, it's a, why isn't Tim Tebow starting quarterback for the Denver Broncos right now? <laughs> oh, you know what? He may, may be the one that makes it work. Oh, There's the God, answer. Hold him don't. before you go, and I don't want to influence you. I will pose a question, and I will do my best not to make it a loaded question. Okay. Will, Just Tim, do it. will Tim Tebow ever play Major League Baseball? No, he will not play Major Cordell, League your thoughts. Baseball. He's not going to make any thoughts. You asked the question. You he had a it. nice. He had a nice little run there in yeah. low A ball, and mm-hmm. I mean maybe. Oh, gosh, yeah, I, I think the Mets are pretty close to competing again, so I don't think that they can just call him up and give him a shot. No, he does not make it. But the Mets are so bad, they would give him a shot. Because they need people in the stands. They're very close to being good again, though. They just had a disastrous season. No, I, please, please don't do that to me. I don't want to. <laughs> it's hard to fight it. See how hard it is to really answer it and walk away from it? I, I, that's the problem. It just sucks yeah. you back and in. It's Tim no. Tebow, isn't it? And it's Tim Tebow. You can't do yeah, it. Can't I'm sorry. Did you you never played baseball, just... did you, Slash? No, I didn't. I, I, I tried that thing. It was too boring. It took too long. Yeah, hey, listen, too. you're not the only one to say it. What else did you play? I was track basketball and football. Track basketball. How about you, Weber? Mm. 
Chess. <laughs> Keep going. Debate Club. Yep. Academic Cathalon. And now I get to shout at Cordell. Instead. What about golf? Not no, he couldn't do too golf. much eye hand coordination. Patience. Too much eye hand coordination. Go- you need patience. Final in golf. thought: No, I was terrible at golf. I don't want to spend four hours but, with but. anybody. That's why Cordell and I only have a three-hour show. Thank you, Holden. <laughs> we'll chat with you next week. Bye bye. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. When it comes to a beer brew to handle a Sunday full of touchdowns and St. Pump returns, and I can't believe he caught that. Look for the light beer that's always brewed for more taste with only 96 calories. Miller Light, the original light beer to be enjoyed from pre-game to post-game. It's been a part of the game since it first showed up on the sidelines back in 1975. So when you reach for a light beer this game day, grab the one that won't fill you up and never compromises on taste, Miller Light. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. As we continue on NFL No Huddle, the podcast, let's dig deeper into the Thursday night matchup between the Dolphins and the Ravens, spotlighting our original team player, Baltimore quarterback Joe Flacco. Now it's time for today's original team player presented by Miller Light. It's NFL No Huddle, spotlighting the stars of the game who played their hearts out for one team their entire career. It's the original team player, presented by Miller Lite. Today, we're focusing under center Joe Flacco and his path to Baltimore. So, Dell, think about his college career. People forget it started at Pitt, then he transferred to Delaware, and Delaware. you know, Rich Gannon went from Delaware to the NFL. The Blue Hens in the old days when we called it 1AA, a power on that level. I have called a game at Tubby Raymond Stadium in Newark, Delaware. They have a good tradition, so it was not a surprise he was a first-round pick. He wowed people in 2008 at the Senior Bowl. And then think about what happened immediately, Cordell. He started as a rookie day one. How much credit do Flacco and Matt Ryan deserve for Starting a new trend because years ago, going back to 2008, most rookies waited for at least a season or two before they got a chance to play. Yeah, I mean, and and there's been quite a few of them that got a chance to start, honestly, um, right out the gate and it didn't work out too well. But, I mean, hey, if if you're good enough uh, to be the starter when being drafted to the teams that they've gone to or you go to, yeah, you get an opportunity. But, you know, the National Football League has changed to where – uh, some guys may sit behind some players. When I was coming in back in the mid-90s, uh, you saw the Steve McNair, the late Steve McNair sitting behind Chris Chandler, uh, to myself, uh, sitting behind Neil O'Donnell and also Mike Tomzak. Um, I mean, there's a list of quarterbacks that we've seen have opportunities to sit. Uh, but when you get an opportunity to become a starter right out the gate, I mean, even Ben Roethlisberger sat behind Tommy Maddox for, for just a season. Uh, he ended up not even a full season. He came in probably in the latter part of that season, took him to the AFC Championship game, and ended up coming back the next year and took him to a Super Bowl. And, of course, we know Jerome ended up retiring after playing that Super Bowl against Seattle and Detroit. Uh, But, you know, I mean, the credit, coming from Boston College, coming from Delaware, um, I think the game was, was suited for him to be able to come in and play here in Atlanta and Matt Ryan, and Matt Ryan was was pretty good. Um, and Joe Flacco, I think, with what they had on that team, they're considering uh, the quarterback situation. Uh, they had to bring him in, obviously. Uh, I think this was after, what, Kyle Bowler. Uh, they ended up bringing him in. And, he and got hurt. Sudden, Troy he Smith got hurt. got hurt. So they didn't they have got. a lot of options, but to Not his credit, 
Flacco held on to the starting job, never gave it back. So let's cut to 2012. In the preseason, he's offered a contract extension. Mm -hmm. He and his agent declined it, which was an aggressive play. So as we said, he bet on himself. He and the Ravens got hot. Those playoff victories on the road all culminates with the Super Bowl victory over the 49ers in New Orleans. Flacco, Super Bowl MVP. But how much help did he get in that run from Ray Rice and a Hall of Fame defense? Mm, I mean, he. I mean, I tell you what, that team he had with. Let me see who he had. He had Ray Rice. He had T. Sizzle. He had Ray Lewis. He had Ed Reed. Uh, he had a receiving core. Anquan Bolden. Anquan Bolden. Jacoby Jones make a play as a special was a teams. Returner. Yep. He was also a returner. Yes, he was. Uh, so when you start breaking down how great that team was. I mean, there's going to be a couple Hall of Famers on that defense for sure. Offensively, I think it's, you know, Anquan Bolden. I think he'd be one of those guys later down the road, way down the road, that you may have a conversation about because I think he's one of a, he was one of the good players that traveled well with teams and um, he did a, he does a phenomenal job. He let the game go to be more of a humanitarian and, and, and being a part of a bigger cause other than the game of football because he figured he made enough money playing it. Uh, and so I think those types of things, I think, travels well and, and are remembered over time. But he was with a great football team. And if you bring in a quarterback, think about the time in which they won the Super Bowl, the first one. They did it with Trent Dilfer. They said, hey, defense played great, get touchdowns, great turnovers. Uh, Jamal Lewis, run the football well. Uh, Shannon Sharp, get a tip ball, take it to the house against the Denver Broncos there. And I mean, that type of stuff. Just don't screw it up, QB. That's what they had with Joe Flacco. Now, the year in which they won, Ray Lewis was injured, I think because of a tricep injury. Uh, He didn't play for some time, and he actually played some really good football that year and actually was the one that actually went on the road. Could have won it a year, could have actually went to the Super Bowl the year prior. Ended up getting a field goal pulled left um, and ended up missing it to give him a chance to go to the Super Bowl. And then all of a sudden next year they sealed the deal by doing it. And Joe Flacco was considered in the postseason one of the most consistent and better quarterbacks in the game, one not afraid to play against the New England Patriots. He was Joe but it Cool. Been then. Nothing like that since. He was Joe Cool. Now, I don't want to be disparaging, cool. but we live in the world of social media. Yeah. Based on what's happened since then, some critics call him Joe Fluco. There it is. He got hot for that one run. Uh-huh. That was it. Where yeah. do you think he is at this stage of his career? Should we talk about the injuries? A couple seasons ago, torn ACL. This year, back issues wiped out the entire preseason. Uh, if we're in Baltimore and we're the beat writer for that part of the country, yeah, sure. You know what? Well, we could bring up a multitude of things of why he struggled. But again, I think Steve Bashotti summed it up best last season. We need better play at the quarterback position. They made all these moves, uh, whether it be getting rid of players, whether it be giving him a new deal, whether it be bringing in new players to try to allow him to be the quarterback that they assume that he was, which was one of the marquee players. And of course, you drink the Kool-Aid when you win a Super Bowl, right? Especially when your quarterback makes a, a very strong prediction or you know, betting on himself and saying, I don't want to read, I don't want to do my deal yet. Let's I win it. You know, it, it, that's what Steve was shot. You win it, we give you what you want. They gave him what he wanted. Hadn't been hadn't been the same since. And so I, I, you know, he gambled very well. He won on that on that rolling of the dice or poker, whatever game he was playing. And it hadn't been good ever since. It's been five hundred at best, which is average 
ever since they won that Super Bowl. So it, it's 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 coming to a point where people are expecting more from Joe Flacco. And again, now you just mentioned all the injuries. Now it's getting worse for him because it's not just the team that's actually being uh, torn apart, uh, whether it be because of contracts or, or trades or just becoming free agents. Um, he's now being torn apart. You know, you talk about the ACL, you talk about the back, you know, now you, 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 you know, couple that with a lack of, 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 of protection up front to a running game, receiving core. I mean, it's just not looking good for him. And at some point in time, when you pay him that type of money, which is elite money, you have to ask yourself, is he worth that type of money? You know, so now as you move forward, you got to ask yourself this question also, do we continue on with Joe Flacco to allow him to be uh, the quarterback for this football team over the next two to maybe even three to five years? And that's what it's going to come down to after this season. And if they want to make excuses, that's their problem. I mean, that's because they're the ones going to have to pay him. You know, but we still have to cover it and give our obviously and our, our opinion on what we think uh, he means to the National Football League, far as rating, uh, uh, giving him a grade or even you know figuring out where does he fit. You know, far as the the rankings in the National Football League, far as quarterbacks are concerned, for me right now he's at the bottom of the total pool. They said it already, thirty first when it comes to uh, being a passer in the National Football League. That's not good at all when it comes down to the monies that he's making and also the expectations they have of him there in Baltimore. So undeniably, Joe Flacco and the Ravens, something to prove tonight as they get set to take on the Dolphins. Joe Flacco, original team player, presented by Miller Lite. This original team player segment has been presented by Miller Lite, the original light beer. Miller Lite, hold true. NFL No Huddle will be back right after this. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. Tune in puts you on the sidelines for the 2017 college football season free all year long. With college football on TuneIn, hear the home and away calls from more than 100 schools live, regular season matchups and rivalry games, conference championships and bowl games, the college football playoff in January. You can listen to it all for free. At home, on campus, or in rival territory, hear the excitement and pageantry of college football all season long, free on TuneIn. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. As we close out NFL No Huddle, the podcast, it's time for Cordell and I to tell you what we are more than sure is going to happen on Thursday Night Football. It takes a unique ability to navigate the topsy-turvy National Football League. Drop down, get your eagle on on this one. A special vision to find clarity in an always changing sport. I was wrong. Brian and Cordell aren't just sure about their perspectives. They are more than sure. I'm more than sure. Okay, let's be methodical. We got five minutes left and talk about the big picture themes. Ravens are scuffling. They've lost four or five back to back defeats. Miami feels like they have mastered the art of the comeback. Think about what's been going on in the last couple of weeks. Down by 17 points on the road in Atlanta. They won that football game. Down by 24 at home. And Jay Cutler knocked out of the matchup against the Jets with the crack ribs. Enter Matt Moore off the bench. They won that game. Overall, they've won three straight. If we're talking about offense first, no Joe Flacco's had issues, but Matt Moore is a backup for a reason, and yes, he played well last year holding that team together when Ryan Tannehill went down. Who has the edge on offense tonight, Miami on the road or Baltimore at home? I'm going with the Miami Dolphins. 
to be honest with you. I mean, here's a team with the Baltimore Ravens that listed 16 players on the injury report uh, coming to this game. That's 30% of this roster. Uh, 10, and that's 10 of the 22 starters are injured, uh, along with uh, the quarterback in Joe Flacco being a 31st-rated uh, QB, ranked QB, passing-wise, uh, in the National Football League, is steadily regressing and getting worse, uh, not just for this team, but Joe Flacco. I just remember a year ago, at the end of that season, he said he needed Steve Bashotti, the owner of the team, said he needed more consistency and better play at the QB position and is steadily going backwards. So with injuries and a lack of performance on the offensive side of the football you just mentioned the great win by this Miami Dolphins football team being down 17-0 out the gate to finish 20-17. to I think this football team plays a little bit better than the Baltimore Ravens because I think they have the energy of understanding that they know how to finish, and if they continue to play, they can maybe come away from this game victorious when it's all said in the, in, in, said in the end, even though they're going on the road, but this team has proven that they can lose at home in the Baltimore Ravens. I have the Miami Dolphins winning. Oh, you're already it's picking. Football. Hang on. No, build, oh, build, a, build a suspense. Look at the I'm clock. Sorry. We have I'm three sorry. minutes I'm left. I'm winning, okay. winning, winning, just showing up. Showing yeah, up yeah. on time. And winning up on the time. offensive component of our analysis. <laughs> now we shift to defense. Well played. Nice save, my friend. How about the Raven defense, which has been up and down, but if they have an identity, it's still on defense. And factor this in. Short week, road team, Thursday night football. That's always a challenge. So if I'm just talking about defense only, Yes, you'll bring up Indomitian Sue. I'm going to call this a push. I think Baltimore and Miami have comparable defensive talent. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you can you can say they do, but when you look at this football team in Miami, I think the push you mentioned Indomitian Sue, the linebacking core, I think even the secondary overall, when you have that type of a win last week against a team that was – the Super Bowl uh, NFC team and end up losing, obviously. Uh, you have no choice but to feel as if uh, defensively uh, that this team is going to play a little bit better football just because of how average the quarterback is and Joe Flacco on this team. They, I mean, the receiving core, I think we had last week, I think we had uh, Mike Wallace, who was concussed last week. He ended up not being able to finish that game. Keep going. Macklin with a shoulder. Harriman's always hurt. He's in the concussion protocol. Yeah, and so I think when you when you look at both teams, the question is the matchup of their, uh, their defenses against the offense. Matt Moore, um, he is what? He had a chance. He's, Matt Moore is starting tonight, right? Let me see. Matt Moore, Jay Cutler, earliest he could be back is next week. It's Matt Moore under center. Matt Moore. There you go. I think this team plays inspired football. Very frustrated because he didn't get a chance to start early on. I think they play inspired football. I think this offense playing against that defense, I think, honestly, gives them a better chance uh, to win this football game because that defense of Miami against that offense, 31st rated passer in the National Football League, I think Miami wins this football game. Uh, well, that side of the football yes. wins. Make it official, pal. You keep yes. giving me the foreshadowing. We now have 60 seconds left. Miami wins. What's the margin? What's the final score tonight? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm buying it for sure. I mean, I'll just use you know some of my, my money down the road to, to, to you know, buy it, really. But I'm buying it right now, to be honest with you. Miami wins this football game. I give them, uh, I go 17-10. Mm. Miami wins this game. Won't be a high-scoring game. 
I just say 17-10. Okay. Defense scores a touchdown against this Ravens team, too. Ooh, okay. Getting focused there because Joe Flacco makes a lot of mistakes. Yes, we didn't talk coaching. I'll go advantage John Harbaugh. We didn't talk special teams. I'll go advantage Justin Tucker. In fact, that's going to be the difference. One of the best kickers in all of football. Tucker's going to deliver in the final minutes. 21-20. The one-point win for the Ravens, and they saved their season. We'll break it down tomorrow right here on the NFL on TuneIn. Thank you for listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast on iTunes with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Listen live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern by downloading the TuneIn app and searching NFL No Huddle. The National Football League is on. TuneIn, your everything audio app.